Welcome to the Mixtape. I'm Natalie, and welcome back to another episode of the Mixtape miniseries. In today's episode, we will be talking about something near and dear to our hearts at Mix, and that is culture. As Mix is a young organization at four years old, our partners had the opportunity to build our culture from the ground up, creating what we affectionately call today the Mix OS. Of those four years that Mix has been in existence, we've been named a best place to work each year. And guess what? Culture has played a huge role in this. So let's dive in on how to build a culture from the ground up. Today, I'm joined by two Mix partners, Casey McAllister and Chad Thompson, both of whom are repeat star podcast guests, by the way. So Chad, Casey, welcome back. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Natalie. So we've caught off the importance of the Mix OS, and we've mentioned it a few times. So help us understand and explain what the Mix OS is and how we got to this place. We'd love to. Um, so if it's okay, Chad, maybe I'll take that first. Great. So back in the summer of 2018, when we were starting the organization of Mixed Talent, so before we had a name, before we had a website, uh, we spent about a half day together talking about what was going to be important to us as an organization, right? Thinking about values and what that would look and, and feel like. And so everybody came to that session with ideas, uh, put them up on the wall. And I always tell people, you know, it was a, a great experience when you're starting a business with people to see better than 90% of what we put on the wall aligned. Um, and so therefore, you know, what's going to be important to you is going to be important to your partners. And we were able to kind of distill that down into the four areas that have become care, solve, deliver, and win-win. Um, but instead of just thinking about those as values, which are important, right? Most organizations, if not every organization, um, has a set that they think through. Um, Chad really challenged us as a team to think of it not just as values, what was going to be important to us, but more so as how we were going to operate our business. Um, and so maybe I can kick that to you to, to kind of talk about where that came from. Yeah, I think what what was important for us was to make sure that the the values we came up with, the way we wanted to operate both internally, how we interact with our clients, how we interact with our candidates, what was important was that we were really clear on like what that actually meant from a behavioral standpoint, right? So it's one thing to have words on a wall. It's one thing to have um, ways in which we think about interacting with each other. It's quite another to go, okay, but what does that look like in real life? What does that look like? And what should that sound like, feel like in the people that we're interacting with? And so the, the next sort of step in the conversation was to say, okay, um, if, if creating win-win situations for us is important, like how do we actually do that? What should we expect of ourselves? What should we expect of the people that we bring into this organization? What should our clients and our candidates expect from us in terms of how we engage with them? And so I think oftentimes the, you know, the, the challenge is to, is to be that deep in your thinking. Um, we had a unique circumstance to be somewhat aspirational. We weren't trying to capture our culture as it currently is. We were trying to define our culture as we wanted it to be. And I think that gave us some more degrees of freedom to play with, if you will, um, in, in sort of having that next level conversation. No, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think the other thing that's important, again, when starting a business and thinking about that, right, was this idea of we knew we were going to grow. We started with six. Now here we sit a little over four years later with more than 100 teammates and you know, first and foremost, being intentional and thinking about, to your point, Chad, you know, what 
what does that mean? How does that manifest when you're having this uh, operating system and your values look that way? But even as early as, you know, hiring our first teammates, it came into what are those competencies? What does that look like, right? What is the, the information behind this idea um, that we can look for, measure, interview to, so as to be able to build a team that's very diverse in terms of experience, in terms of um, roles and responsibilities they've had throughout their careers, and also very unique humans in terms of their own stories and lived experiences. Um, but yet everyone is kind of aligned around this true north of, you know, these things that are important. And so they show up in terms of how we engage with one another, but they also show up in how we treat and engage with our candidates and our clients, yeah. um, which I really attribute to a lot of the success that we've had in a short period of time. Yeah, I think the diversity... Um point is an interesting one because you're right folks bring different sets of experiences both personally and professionally into the organization and we need that and want that right that's Absolutely. that's hugely important um and the work we're doing is different right the, the work our recruiters do is different than the work our consultants do is different than you know the people who operate our business internally um the work they do but it is important i think to have some overarching framework for things we all believe in ways we all act that looks different in a recruiter than it does in a consultant, but there is this sort of unifying aspect of how we of how we operate that we really wanted to to be as specific as we could be, knowing that we don't know all the answers. In fact, that's one of the aspects of the mix OS is like don't expect us to have all the answers because we're not going to. <laughs> um, and I think that's important in terms of what you communicate out to the people you attract into the organization. You know, it, particularly at the beginning, you know, if you wanted to have a playbook on exactly how your day was going to go day to day. This ain't the place for you. Mm -hmm. we, we, and we wanted to be upfront about what we knew, what we didn't know, um, and that we would try to select people who could exercise excellent judgment on their own because we're not going to have all the answers. So there's a, there's a recognition of what the business environment is, um, including planning for scale, to your, to your point earlier, Casey. Um, maybe talk a little bit about how you've seen that scaling part happen both in our organization and then others that we work with as well. Yeah, no, I think that's a great call out. So, you know, you think about, and we're talking, I think, generally about culture, right, Natalie? But I think we're also talking specifically in this moment around these values and how they show up. And so look at solve. Um, having a an orientation, if you will, that is around problem solving. When we are a small organization starting out and growing, we had to figure out how to buy desks right? And trash cans and get Wi-Fi into the building, as well as figure out benefits and how to get people paid through payroll, right? Things that we had not done before. At the same time, we're trying to build solutions externally for clients to meet them where they are in this moment in time or helping them achieve a milestone perhaps through talent. And so you've got all of these competing things going on and need to have that solution orientation, that bias to solve. Um, so as to say, hey, we're going to go really fast and furious, but if this is how we're going to approach problems, not just listing them out or recognizing that things are not, you know, easy or laid out or potentially even clear in some regards, but this is how we're all going to approach it, regardless of the role in which I, you know, play in this organization. Um, that helps move those things forward, yeah. right? And I do think too, on the scale side specifically, um, 
you know, that kind of awareness to say, okay, here are the things that we're going to approach and here are the things that we're going to have to deal with, but we're going to do it in a way that allows a lot of different people to engage in moving that business forward and recognizing the need to divide and conquer in those moments um, creates capacity, right? And creates trust yeah. because you believe that people are going to, you know, do what's best uh, for the business, that they are going to have um, a proactive approach to raising a hand. Hey, have we tried this or have we thought about or could we do? Um, which was really meaningful and impactful, yeah. I think, in, in trying to go pretty fast. I think that's a really important point to underline. Th this idea of, you know, you, we often hear clients, and it's important for us as well, to push decision-making down as far in the organization as possible to create capacity and bandwidth and scale to your point. I think where people get hung up sometimes is like, well, but how do I know if they're making the decision I would make? You maybe don't want them making the exact decision you would make, mm -hmm. but you probably do want them thinking about that decision in the same sort of, uh, with the same sort of variables in mind that we would, mm -hmm. right, as, as, as partners in the business. And so having the mix OS in terms of a, a way of thinking and a way of behaving, I think probably certainly gave me and probably you too, Casey, mm -hmm. some assurance that people would at least be looking at this with the same type of variables in mind as we would if we were trying to decide do we want orange desks or red desks, whatever the case <laughs> might be, right? That's obviously not the most important decision. But, you know, as people are building out their teams, no longer can we interview every single person, nor should we. Mm -hmm. However, do we want people thinking about the folks we bring into the organization based on these values and these aspects of our mix OS? Like, yeah, yeah, we do. Right. Um, put some processes in place to try to facilitate that as much as possible. No, I think that's a great point. I think the other thing, too, you know, when you think about culture, right, and Chad and I are very aligned in this way of thinking, we talk about it externally, is that culture is not something that you choose. You don't get to define your culture and then say, come work for us because this is our culture. Culture is built by people, right? It's built by the humans that are in your organization. And every time you add to that, you're adding to, it's a dynamic, living, organic kind of thing, if you will. Um, and so I think as we recognize that and again add people and town and their experiences to mix which then forms mixed talent culture we have been again very mindful not only to incorporate the the mix os in the hiring process but in really every aspect of our business and so it's in how we look at new business opportunities it's in how we develop and train and do evaluations for our teams. It's in um, our kudos channel, how we celebrate successes and highlight the great work that this team is doing in so many different ways for different um, clients that we have with different solutions that we offer. And I think that that's really important as this culture has started to become something and has obviously, you know, so proudly been recognized four times as the best place to work. Um, but it's because we keep all of those things so top of mind that it's not easy for anybody to kind of put it on the shelf, right? It is truly how they operate and how they engage um, with each other in our business every day. Yeah, I think that's right. And the other aspect too, that I know we were mindful of and continue to be so is making sure that the, the culture and the way we want to behave is aligned to our business strategy. Absolutely. So, you know, when we started Mix, we we had a sense that there were um, things we wanted to do differently than other firms that are in our space. Yes. Um, but then you can't have reward systems and cultures that don't align to that. So win-win's a great example. You know, we don't believe that 
recruiting is a zero-sum game where we win and the candidate loses or we lose and the company wins. We fully believe that there are, are ways and you should strive for engagements where everybody's happy at the end of it. And so there's a series of behaviors that align to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, sometimes words sound nice, but they're not necessarily connected to what you're trying to get accomplished from a business standpoint. Like it can't just be a feel good exercise. It has to be directly related to how are we trying to stand out in the marketplace? How do we want people to think about us or whatever the case might be? And so as your business changes, there are times in which your culture probably needs to maybe change is too strong of a word, but evolve certainly, Absolutely. right? Um, as, as things are different, as the business conditions are different, as the problems you're trying to solve are different, whatever the case might be. I think that's a great call. And when you look at having a, a set of values that you live by and recognizing or understanding what the facets are behind them, right? What are those competencies? How do you define it? They're not so rigid. They're not so narrow to your point, Chad, that they can't evolve over time and, and be where you are as an organization. I do think it's important to take moments along the way, because again, usually like we talked about in our story, people define those at the front end of your business, or perhaps if you're going through a rebrand or a retool. And so you have these kind of major moments where you define these things and then move forward, where if you create it again and recognize that need for it to be this living being and have built in moments of reflection to say, okay, how does care, which is a really important part of who we are at Mixed Talent, how does that show up as an organization of 10 or 20 people versus how does that show up for an organization of 110 people that are spread across 20 states in the United States, right? When you think about that, um, having some fluidity and say, well, it's still important that you take care of yourself and it's still important that you think about how you're moving forward. And so we add programs like more robust training or the mix CD, which is specifically around career development. That's makes sense for an organization that has matured to a point where you can incorporate those kinds of things where again, early on it was, Hey, everyone's going to be wearing 20 hats and make sure you show up for each other in that way. And really, you know, pitch in in this way. Well, now you've evolved to the organization. I think it's an opportunity for people to stop and reflect and say, okay, so these values that are still very important to us, what does that mean today versus two years ago versus five years from now? Yeah, I think the other thing, having a really clear, well-defined set of values or, or cultural elements, if you will, um, is it creates a shared vocabulary amongst people in the organization. So that when, when we talk about win-wins, like everyone knows what, what we mean by that, right? right? Um, when we talk about connecting to your why and why you're doing what we're doing, particularly in the life science space that we operate in primarily, frankly, that's not hard, right? I mean, you bring some patients in on whose lives are improved by the work you're doing, like that's a pretty easy connection to make. Um, and so when we then talk about what we're doing or why we're doing what we're doing or how we're doing what we're doing, when we say those words that are present in our mix OS, like it just resonates with people in a way that I think is um, clearer and more impactful than other words that maybe they haven't heard consistently or they don't understand or why it's right. like there's a reason marketers market the way they do in terms of repetition, because that is meaningful to people mm-hmm. in terms of pattern recognition. There's a whole bunch of psychology behind that, but that's an intentional way of talking about, what we're about and how we're doing what we're doing. And then everyone just knows what you mean when you mm-hmm. when you utter those words that, that people have gotten used to. Yeah, which is great. 
And again, I think that shared vocabulary and, and the recognition of how these values come to be in an organization um, is also an opportunity for people to recognize maybe that's not the right fit for them. You know, I think that's one of the things we've talked about as well is having, to Chad's point, aligning your values and aligning your um, operating system in, in our language with your business strategy creates a clear understanding of why we believe that. Um, we think it's important to show up for each other and our clients and candidates in these particular ways, but that's not the only way. And there may be some people that because you're so clear and forward about it can self-select in and yep. others that may self-select out. And that's positive for an organization because again, there's not a one size fits all in terms of what, you know, where people can be successful or how um, they want to operate their business, but, but by not apologizing for it, right. Recognizing this is who we are. This is what's important to us. And this is how we need our team to align when we, we do go deliver the best work for our, our clients um, it just creates that understanding and truly, I think, again, manifests into a, a impact culture because people choose um, because there's very clear around what that looks and feels like. And I think that's true on the client side as well. I mean, there's a reason we lead with our mix OS on a lot of our conversations with clients about the work we do. We start with how we do it, not what we do for a very intentional reason. And I think our best relationships are with clients whose values are very similar to ours because they kind of get where we're coming from. We get where they're coming from. And there is a little bit of an expectation setting on the front end that I think is really useful to go, okay, this is what I can expect out of these people. This is what they're promising me, how they're going to do it. I know they're going to deliver an excellent work product in a consulting engagement or find the best candidate for the role. Like that's expected, right? Mm -hmm. The how you go about doing it and the feel of that, we want to be really clear and intentional about on the front end. Um, and so I think it's, it's equally relevant with clients as it is with, with folks that we bring into the organization as well. You know, I love that you say that actually brings to mind an early example that we had um, as mixed talent was growing with a client who, based on relationships, you know, we've all been in this business for a couple of decades now, which is, uh, is great. Some of us longer than others and had a client that reached out based on relationships with our partnership to say, Hey, we're evaluating our talent partners. We'd love for you guys to jump into the mix as it relates to an RFP. And um, it was a pretty robust project and understanding how they were working with their current, um, I think in that context, vendor was probably the appropriate word. And it's recognizing that it was very much a one-way relationship, right? The client would tell them what to do. It was not a, a two-way, not what we would call a win-win as it relates to the relationship. And quite frankly, it felt like as we were hearing about that, um, was probably leading to the reason why they weren't seeing the performance that they were hoping for. And so as a leadership team, although we were early on and definitely looking to be growing our business, made the decision to back away from that process because we didn't think it was going to set our team up for success. It wasn't how we like to work um, and believe that we can provide the most value. In the course of that follow-up discussion, the client came back and said, wow, that actually makes us want to work with you more because we don't like how this has relationship has um, come to be and how it has developed into this very much so kind of order taker, commodity, mm -hmm. transactional environment. And so 
with a very open dialogue, we did make the decision to go into that process. We did ultimately um, engage with them as a client and have been for three plus years in a really positive way. So again, sticking to that true north of being you know, true and honest about who we are and, and how we thought we could be or not be a great partner to a client um, actually led to a very positive relationship versus having kind of that natural flinch reaction to say, okay, well, let's just jump in and then recognizing it may not be the right situation for anybody. Okay, so as we think about others in a similar situation, maybe others, other companies or leaders who are starting from the ground up, or maybe they're reconsidering their culture, maybe going through a rebrand, tell us a little bit about some tips and tricks or things to consider strategies when going through this. Yeah, so a few things come to mind to that. Very excellent question, Natalie. And I think, I mean, I am a consultant, so the answer is it depends. Um, (laughs) And it depends a a little bit on the dichotomy you set up. Are we we building this thing from the ground up and being sort of aspirational? That's the place we were in. Or are we um, reacting to a change that is happening in our business environment or thinking about how we maybe want to change or evolve our culture because it's not working for us? Those are all different circumstances. Um, But I think a few things that, that we try to do with clients who are in similar situations One is, I think you have to answer this question both from the top down and the bottom up. So what doesn't work is, let's get the executive team in the room and ask them what they think. Absolutely. Um, You do have to do that, but you can't stop there, right? The executive team may have a really good sense for where they're trying to take the business or from their perspective, what is or isn't working. Um, But you really have to go all the way through the organization, both horizontally and vertically, to understand what are you actually doing? How are people actually behaving? What are the shared expectations, behaviors in the organization? Um, Frankly, executives don't always have a great perspective on that. They may have a perspective, but it's not complete. And so engaging the entire organization in that process, asking them, hey, one of your values is collaboration. Great. What does that look like in your role? You're going to get a different answer from a CEO, from a sales rep, from a scientist. And the answer should be different. But our job is to sort of go, okay, here's what's common. Here's the red thread through those different answers. Um, and that's really, you know, the skill set of an IO psychologist in a lot of ways is to what is in people's head and get it down on paper. So you can't do that from just top down or frankly, just bottom up, right? You have to be really, really holistic in that approach um, is one thing that comes to mind. The second is, I think there's a, a, a need to be pretty clear around um, what are we trying to accomplish from a business standpoint? So to circle back what I said before, you know, we have lots of clients, for example, who have been primarily clinically focused and they might be commercializing their first asset. Okay, those are different human beings, right, that are going to come in and do that work. And we're often in a situation where we're encouraging our clients to think about what has to change as a function of that shift in the business while simultaneously asking ourselves the question, what has gotten you to the point where you are that is unique that you need to and want to retain? So it's it's kind of both ends of the spectrum that I think folks need to, to think through. I think those are great points. I would just add, it's an opportunity to look in the mirror and not out the window. You know, this idea, oftentimes people look out to others and say, gosh, X, Y, or Z company down the street is doing this. Or I saw somebody that you know has all the swag and all their people always look like they're doing all these fun things. 
but which is fine. And it's great to look around at other examples, but you really have to start with, again, that look in the mirror to yeah. say, who are we? What makes us unique, special, great? Where are the opportunities for us to improve? And again, to truly listen to your own organization. As Chad said, I think that's such an important part to understand who we are, not who we say we are, but who we are truly. An honest look at the There you go. Yeah. And, and build upon that. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's, not always, you don't always like what you see. Um, and sometimes you do, right? And so it's the, the opportunity is to look at both, reflect um, both aspects there and to move forward in a positive way, but with intentionality and transparency. Um, I think those are the, the opportunities that can make the biggest impact when an organization is in that moment of reflection or starting, starting out. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think once you have that defined, Casey, doing what you were mentioning earlier in terms of figuring out how to weave that, uh, those cultural elements into as many different things as you're doing as possible uh, is really, really important. You know, we've certainly worked with clients who say they want a different type of individual in a role as an example, but then don't change the way they select people. Well, that's not going to work very well, right? You maybe need to change the tools. You need to ask different questions. You need to define what good sounds like in an interview and uh, in the answer to an interview question differently. So it's actually doing the work to implement that culture in all of your different talent initiatives and talent practices rather than just updating the website. Like that's probably not going to get the job done in most cases. But it doesn't have to be overwhelming. It doesn't yeah. have to be hugely, you know, cost burdensome right. or resource intensive. There's really ways. And I think, you know, Chad, you and your team have done such an amazing job um, turning that internally at Mix to say, how can we incorporate this? How can we leverage this thinking? And the the Mix CD, which is our career development program, I know we've taken that to, to clients as well, but that's one of those, you know, very upfront. It's an individually driven process. It's what's important to me and my own career. But they even state up front that while, you know, the mix OS um, is not going to drive every aspect because it, again, it's where you want to go in your career, you should use it as your compass. And I thought that language was so incredible because it's such a great visual to say, this is going to help direct you, but your path maybe a lot of different ways, yeah. right? We talked about that in the podcast with Amanda on career development, this idea of it may be a career ladder, a lattice, a kaleidoscope, whatever it may be. So again, that's just one of those little ways where you stop and pause and go, how do we incorporate this to make an impact in a program that perhaps we already have? Um, so again, I think it can be within reach and within reason. And um, that's one of the things that I think we're really proud of, yeah. of being able to, to stop and leverage, again, the great talented team that we have here internally um, to help ourselves get better. And this maybe is not what you would expect the career external consultant to say, but <laughs> it's better when you do it yourself, mm. frankly, right? It's better when it's driven by the people in your organization, maybe with some guidance and some tips and best practices from external folks who've done this with other organizations. But if this is a come in from the outside and tell us how to do it thing, that's no bueno. You really have to own it and do it yourself. We can help you with that. But ultimately, we're not going to be sitting in your company 24 hours a day. Your people are. And so you need them bought in, engaged, and all of those things as well. And again, back to that phrase we always say, right? Culture is built by people but runs on talent. And it's going to be the talent in your organization that's going to make that happen. That's awesome. Thank you guys so much for this insightful discussion. I think week after week, I'm just reminded how incredible 
our culture is and just what a special place mix is. And I think if we have the opportunity to share some of our best practices, share some ideas for people building a culture or trying to make some changes in direction, you know, that's what it's all about. So thank you both for your time. And thank the VixOS is right there on the website. You can go check it out. <laughs> on the website. We try, we try you can check it out. It. Exactly. And thank you, Natalie, Thanks, and to, to Valerie as well for the mixtape and bringing so many of these insights to a broader audience. We're so appreciative of all the work that you guys do. Wonderful. Thank you. And as always, thank you for being in the mix. We'll see you next week.